Let's bow our heads. Look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Our precious Heavenly Father, we thank You that like the song says, You don't promise us ease. You don't promise us an easy road. You don't guarantee us a life free from trial or difficulty, but but You do promise that You will be there every step of the way with us. You promise to show up and carry us, Lord. And You have never failed us. We thank You for Your always constant presence in our lives. And we pray now that You will open our hearts to hear the Word You have for us. We pray that You will encourage us, Lord. Challenge us. Convict us. In Your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. I fell in love with that song when I first heard it. Is there anything more encouraging than knowing that whatever God calls us to, no matter how difficult, how painful, how challenging, It may be He promises to show up and be there to carry us when we can't go on, to lift our spirits when we're weak. Most importantly, to lead us through on His shoulders, carry us to to victory through the end of the trial. I love that. It's not by our own strength, but by, by His unfailing strength that He carries us. Is there anything more assuring than God's Always constant presence in our lives. His strength in our difficulties. His power in our weaknesses. So it's so hard to imagine that when God calls us into something, when He asks something of us and and He tells us how the story will end and how He will be there for us and the success we're going to have. It's hard to imagine that when He asks something of us like that, we can respond with a, no thanks, I'll, I'll pass. It doesn't exactly happen that way, right? It never does. We, we've, got our, we've got our reasons. We've got our explanations. We've got our excuses. We're going to talk a little bit about excuses today. Excuses. Billy Sunday said of them, excuses are the skin of a reason stuffed with a lie. Don Wilder said, excuses are the nails used to build a house of failure. One nail at a time. If you think about it, our lives are filled with them. Our spiritual lives are filled with them. Think about it. Our prayer life. Our time with the Lord. Our immediate obedience to His will, to His Scripture, to His counsel. Filled with excuses. Our reasoning. Our explanations. Yeah, we've got them. See, they they may be well-reasoned, well-defined, well-articulated, but peel back every excuse we have whenever it's contrary to God's perfect will for our lives and you'll always find that they're empty. They just fall empty in light of God's promise to us and in light of the power that He indwells us with. So, I want you today to imagine a real life, one-on-one meeting with God where your Heavenly Father comes to you with a mission. He's asking something of you. He has a purpose, a request. And He tells you exactly what you need to say, where you need to go, who the people are that you need to speak with. He even tells you what the outcome will be, how the people will respond, what He's going to do to overcome that, how you'll be victorious, and how you're going to celebrate in the end. Imagine all that, and then picture your response. Find someone else, not me. 
It happens. It's happened to each one of us. It even happened to one of the greatest leaders in the history of our civilization. One of the greatest leaders ever mentioned throughout all of scriptures. Take a look. You don't have to turn to it. About what Hebrews 11:24 says about Moses. Hebrews 11, we regard as, as the chapter of faith, the hall of faith, if you will. Listing the greatest men and women in scriptures and their mighty acts of faith in our Lord. Hebrews 11:24 says, By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. What an amazing testimony. What an amazing faith. What an amazing man. What a great leader. You might say he was a born leader, but but there are no such things. Leaders aren't born, they're made. But what a testimony. This great leader who led the nation of Israel, God's chosen people, out of Egypt and out of bondage. You know, he certainly didn't start out that way. When called by God to step up, Moses was just an ordinary, stuttering refugee filled with excuses. When God says, I need you. I'm calling you. I choose you. I'll equip you. Excuse after excuse. That was Moses' beginnings. We're going to look today at God's call to Moses. More importantly, we're going to look at Moses' response to God. We're going to look at five excuses Moses used. We're going to peel back every one of those and see God's response and what truly was underneath each excuse. So today, turn to to Exodus chapter 3. We have a lot of reading to do today, so keep your Bibles open. We're going to start in verse 1. We've got a lot of ground to cover. But the setting is Moses is here. He's a former prince of Egypt. Adopted prince who, upon realizing his Hebrew heritage, seeing the horrors of how the Hebrews were treated, the horrors of slavery in Egypt, he left the land and he lived, the Bible tells us, 40 years in the wilderness, tending his father-in-law's sheep. And so we find him. Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. You've all heard of the burning bush. This is it. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. Verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. I love how the Lord knows how to get our attention. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. We have a compassionate, merciful God. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. 
And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now, go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Stop here. God, God has such a clear objective, a clear plan to rescue the nation of Israel from the cruel hand of Egyptian slavery. And he had his man. Moses was the perfect choice for this mission. Look, he grew up as an adopted son, adopted prince. He grew up as an Egyptian royal. He knew the layout of the land. He had Pharaoh's ear. He grew up with the Pharaoh. He had access to the Pharaoh. And and he was well known by his own people. He was a Hebrew by birth. And word spread about this Egyptian royal who, who turned his back and fled, who left Egypt, who left the government. Because he himself was one of us. He was a Hebrew. Far more importantly, Moses was trained by God. He was prepared by the Lord. More important than his heritage or his credentials, God had been preparing Moses in the desert wilderness for 40 years, emptying Moses of himself and teaching him humility and a true reliance on God. All the pieces were there. The plan, the preparation, the purpose, the calling, All they needed was just a yes from Moses. But that doesn't happen. Let's look at Moses' response. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, Who who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Here we go. Excuse number one. My past is too haunting. Who? Me, Lord? (laughs) Me? You're talking to me? Don't you remember my past? Don't you remember my failures, Lord? Did did you forget, God, that that I killed a man back in Egypt? I had to flee in secret exile? See, Acts 7, 24 reminds us, Now when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. This is Moses. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would deliver them by his hand. But they did not understand. And the next day he appeared to two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brethren. Why do you wrong one another? But he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptian yesterday? Lord, I tried this deliverance thing 40 years ago. No one listened to me. I got angry. I lost my temper. I failed. I sinned. Lord, what about my past? I failed before, and chances are I'm probably going to fail again, Lord. Isn't it wonderful to know that our past is redeemable? Isn't it encouraging to know that God doesn't measure us by our past failures? That when He forgives, He completely forgets. With God, there's nothing in your past that can hinder your future. God is writing your future, and you know what? It doesn't include your past. Only He can wipe the slate clean. Only He can give another chance. So leave the past right there where it belongs. Ancient history. And look only to the Lord to carry you into the future. Look at God's response. He's so faithful, so merciful. He addresses every one of Moses' excuses. Verse 12, And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses, I will carry you. 
You will be successful. You will thank and worship me at the end of all this. Trust me. Forget about the past. I'm going to give you an astounding future. I love that God isn't guessing about the the prospect of Moses' future success. He's writing it. He's making it. That's the greatest guarantee imaginable. Moses, here's how it's going to end and you're going to celebrate. But poor Moses, he's got a few other excuses up his sleeves. Keep reading. Verse 13. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what, what shall I tell them? Excuse number two. My God is too small. Lord, the Israelites are entrenched in a dark, heathen land. They're in the midst of idolatry and magic and sorcery. Lord, some of them don't even remember you. They've forgotten. Lord, they're heartbroken. I've watched them. They're going to want to know by what authority I'm coming to them. Pharaoh, look, he's got the world's premier army behind him. Who do I have backing me? Lord, who can I tell them is in their court? You know, we often do this in the midst of our trials and difficulties, don't we? We forget who's on our side. We forget who's walking with us. We forget the power of the God we serve. You know, the problem is the same today as it was with Moses. The problem isn't that our enemy or our trials or our difficulties or our circumstances are too great. The problem is we think our God's too small. Let us not forget, let us never forget the immensity of God's power. He threw the stars into place. He formed man from dust. Is there any problem he can't fix? Is there any situation he can't turn? Is there anything too big or too difficult for our God? Is there any need you have that he can't meet? Any desire he can't fill? No. Our God, he's greater. He reminds Moses of this in verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent you. I am has sent you. The Lord is the pre-existing one. He is whatever we need. If you need courage, he'll be your courage. If you need articulate speech, he'll speak through you. If you need love, He will supply us for love, even for an unlovely people. Praise God that He is greater than all of our problems, all of our excuses, all of our limited understanding. Our God is greater. And He goes on. He even spells out a step-by-step plan for Moses. Verse 16. Go. Assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, Moses, here's what you're to say. The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob appeared to me And said, I have watched over you and have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. And I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. A land flowing with milk and honey. And Moses, here's how they're going to respond. The elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt. Moses, here's who you're to go to and say to him. Say exactly these words, Moses. The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. And Moses, here's how Pharaoh is going to respond. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So Moses, here's what I, 
your God. Here's what I'm going to do. But I know he will he will uh, not let you go. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. And Moses, here's what's going to happen. After that, he will let you go. And Moses, here's your victory. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward this people so that when you leave, you will not go empty handed. Every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters. And so you will plunder the Egyptians. Look, Moses, here's exactly what you need to do. Here's where you need to go. Here are the people you need to speak with. Here's how they're going to respond. But here's what I'll do. And here's what's going to happen. Here's your victory, Moses. It's all there. Signed, sealed, delivered. I am is yours. Are you ready to pack? Well, Moses isn't quite done with his creative reasoning. Okay, Lord. You can get me through my past. And, and you are greater. I know you're immensely powerful. But let's look. Chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, well, what if they don't believe me? Or, or what if they don't listen to me? Or what if they say the Lord did not appear to you? Excuse number three, the what ifs. Do you know how many opportunities are lost? How many opportunities are missed because of the what if game? How many blessings do we miss out on because of the what ifs? Lord, what if, what if they don't believe me? Lord, what if there are questions that I can't answer? Lord, what if they mock me? What if, what if I fall again, Lord? What if, what if there's something better for me around the corner, Lord? Or Lord, what if there's nothing better in my future than, than what I've got right now? Lord, what if I fail? Lord, what if I can't do it? Every what if that we ask the Lord, is, it's another shovel of dirt with which we dig ourselves deeper and deeper until we find ourselves so entrenched in fear. We're paralyzed by fear and then an unwillingness to obey the Lord our God. Ours is not to ask what if because we know who will. You see, every what if question is accompanied by one of two things. What if I or what if something around me happens? We need to get our eyes off of ourselves off of the situations, the circumstances around us, off of the imaginary, speculative things that we think may or may not happen in our lives and put them on the one who holds us, who holds the future, who holds tomorrow in the palm of his hand. In the next seven verses, we're not going to read them, but the Lord responds by giving Moses a personal demonstration of the miracles that he will perform through him. Unbelievable stuff. And Moses, no doubt, he's impressed. But he comes up with the next excuse. Chapter 4, verse 9. Sorry, verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, Oh Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in my past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. Here it is. Excuse number four. My skills are inadequate. Lord, I'm not prepared. Lord, I'm not, I'm not educated. I'm not properly trained. Lord, I'm not eloquent. I don't have all the answers. 
Have you ever used that excuse when called upon by God, when burdened to share your faith with someone? Lord, I don't have the right words to say. I don't have all the answers. I I don't speak well. It's so clear that Moses' eyes still aren't on the Lord. He's still looking at himself. His eyes are still fixed on his lack, his inadequacies, his circumstances, his skills or lack of, his words, his strength, all instead of looking at the Lord. Look, God doesn't need our skills. Do do you think we have some unique skill set that God can't find in someone else or He can't empower someone else with? There's nothing any of us have that that God can't find elsewhere. He doesn't want your ability. He wants your availability. And the beautiful part is He will equip us with the rest. He who called you will equip you. He responds to Moses in verse 11. The Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. The Lord is so patient. One by one, excuse by excuse, he's stepping Moses right through it. He will equip us with everything we need for the journey. He will equip us with everything we need to obey. We only need to take that first step of faith, that first step in obedience The one who called you will equip you. Verse 13. Here it is. Moses' last resort. His most pathetic reason. But Moses said, Oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. What's behind this? Excuse number five. It's not what I want to do. This last objection isn't based on even the slimmest shred of a reason. Moses just does not want to go. He's simply putting his foot down and telling God, no, I'm not going to do it. This is really at the heart of every one of Moses' previous four excuses. I don't want to do it. It's not what I want to do, Lord. It's, It's not easy. It's not comfortable for me, Lord. It's not attractive to me. Look, that's not what I had in mind for, for my, for my life. It's associated with difficulty and hard work, Lord. Do I need this right now? Lord, it's so not ideal for me. Look, I know myself, Lord. I don't think I can handle this. Lord, it it, it requires me to take a stand. It it, it may be associated with mocking. and, And I'll look different, Lord. Lord, it requires me to to do something that, that I don't want to do. Lord, it requires me to stop doing something that I'm very comfortable with. At its core, it's simply not my will. You know, when you put your foot down long enough and you want your way badly enough, sadly, God may give it to you. This is known as as His permissive will. He permits you to have your own way. His permissive will, instead of His perfect will for you. Look at verse 14. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother, Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you and his heart will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But look, take this staff in your hand so you can perform miraculous signs with it. Fine, Moses. 
Sending Aaron along with Moses, it, it certainly was not God's perfect will. It was his permissive will. God accommodated Moses' lack of faith, but it was less than God's best. It was a compromise. Moses was God's man for the job, but God told Moses that his brother Aaron would, would be allowed to go with him and assist him. And once the children of Israel left Egypt, what was the rest of the story? Well, Aaron got his brother and the nation of Israel in a whole lot of trouble. It was Aaron who led the children of Israel into making an idol while Moses was on Mount Sinai receiving the tablets, receiving the Ten Commandments. What was Aaron doing? He was dabbling in idolatry. And can you imagine what raced through Moses' head when he had just experienced a face-to-face meeting with God? He came down with the tablets, down from the mountain, and there he saw his brother leading the nation in idolatry. Oh, my God. I wish he never came with me. How did, how did Aaron come with me? You forget. I wish I had obeyed God right away. I wish I didn't put my foot down. I wish I didn't come up with excuse after excuse after excuse. God's perfect will is always, every time, better than His permissive will. So take a look. Five excuses. And God addressed every one of those. Now, we're going to apply it to our own lives. We've heard these excuses. We've used them perhaps ourselves time and time again. You know what? It's nothing new for God. He's heard it all. He's heard every creative argument. He's heard every excuse. And He's so patient with us that He addresses each one, one by one. So ask yourself today, have you had a burning bush experience? Has God gotten your attention somehow in your life? And has He asked something of you? Has He made a request of you? However big, however small it may be, you clearly know what the Lord is asking. You clearly know what God wants from you, what He wants you to do. Perhaps He wants you to to stop doing something that that you've been doing or to start doing something that, that you haven't been doing. Has He called you to be vocal and to share your faith with someone? Or perhaps to keep tighter-lipped and stop stumbling those around you? Has He called you to, to enter into a new relationship, perhaps with a mentor? Or perhaps to end an inappropriate relationship that you've been holding on to? Has He asked you into a higher walk, a deeper fellowship with Him? Perhaps He's asked you to, to break those ties that you're so bound to, those ties to the world that keep dragging you down, keep pulling you down, keep pulling you away from God. Look, whatever it is God has called you to do, you know it. Nobody else does. Ask yourself, what's holding you back? What possible excuse is keeping you from obeying? Are you using an excuse like we heard, like Moses used? My past, my my lack of faith, my inadequacies, the what-ifs. Friend, not one of them, as we saw, not one of those excuses holds water. Every excuse is based on our past, ourselves, on our strength, our skills, our fears, our speculations, our worries. Today it's time to get our eyes off of ourselves and to say no more excuses. Lord, I want to get past the excuses 
I'm not going to use them anymore, Lord. They're filled with lies. Look, it looks like a reason, God, but, but I know that it's just, it's just another lie. Lord, I want to say no to myself and I want to say yes to you. How long? How long have you been saying no to God's call for you? Have you put your foot down so hard and so long and just said, I don't want to do it? Be very careful because you know what? God may give you your way, but, but at what cost? I love that there is nothing God cannot do, but there is one thing He won't do. He will never force you to obey Him. God will never infringe on free will. He loves you so much that He wants you to choose Him and to choose His way. He won't make you do it. Friend, have you put your foot down that long? Have you said, I want my way, Lord? You know, the sad thing is, like we saw in Moses, one day, one day you will look back and you will regret it. You will rue the day that you said no. No, God, I want my way. I have my reasons. I have excuses, Lord. I just don't want to do it. You will so regret it. You know what's at the bottom of that statement? It's something that says, Lord, I don't trust you enough to call the shots in my life. I know better what I need, Lord. Have you been so foolish to utter those words? Oh, not with your mouth, but with your actions or your inactions, with your disobedience to God, with your excuses. The good news is it's not too late. God can still turn your situation around. Look at the rest of Moses' story. And I love this. Think, we read in Hebrews 11. Why is Moses so celebrated in that chapter we read? We saw his excuse-ridden beginnings. How can someone like that be successful? How can someone like that be praised? You know what? Moses learned very quickly. He learned about faith in God and about immediate obedience. Think about the rest of the story. God later called Moses to do some mind-defying things like paint, paint his doorframe with Passover blood. And trust to God and look to Him to part an ocean, a sea. And look to the heavens for a shower of food. These weren't simple, trivial requests. These required a ton of faith. And in every, every situation, Moses obeyed immediately. Yes, Lord, you've done it in the past. I have no problem. I'm going to believe you. I'm going to obey. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to go forward, Lord. His faith went from non-existent to legendary. His story went from an excuse-filled outcast to the storied leader of God's people. Was it an easy road he had to travel? No, far from it. It was a difficult journey. Like the song we heard, God didn't promise that, that, that it would be easy. He didn't promise us ease. He didn't promise us victories without a fight on our part. He didn't say it wouldn't be a heavy cross for us to bear. But He promised to be there he promised to show up and carry us through. So today, whatever you're going through, it's not too late. God can still turn your story around. But it takes a step of faith. It takes an act of obedience on your part. Are you ready for God to turn your situation around? Are you ready for Him to turn your circumstances, your story, your life around?
Then the answer, stop the excuses. Stop the reasoning and the questioning and the what-ifs and the focus on yourself and your past and your inadequacies and your speculations and just say yes to God. I want to obey you, Lord. Let's bow our heads. Believers, I'm speaking to you today. If that's where you're at, if you've been clenching your fist for so long and stomping your foot and coming up with excuse after excuse in the face of God, it's time to stop. You know what God wants from you. He's gotten your attention. You know what He wants you to give up or walk away from or walk into or stop doing or start doing whatever it is. It's the time for excuses to stop. It's time to stop looking at yourself and start looking at the Lord. I can tell you this, and I know I'm 100% correct. In every situation in your life, there is not one good excuse, not one good reason for not obeying the Lord. So today, right now, right here, tell the Lord, no more excuses. I'm going to obey. Lord, I want to stop doing what I think is best and start doing what you know is best. It's not always going to be easy. He didn't promise it would be, but He will show up. He will be there with you. He will strengthen you and walk through it with you. And I'd rather walk in the darkness with Christ than run in the light on my own. If you're taking that stand, if you're making that commitment today, no more excuses, Lord, I'm going to obey. I want you to raise your hand. Every eye is bowed. Every eye is closed. Every head is bowed. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Heavenly Father, with every hand that was raised, we come before you today and we ask for your forgiveness for our stubbornness and our disobedience. Lord, we want to turn it around. Lord, we want you to turn it around for us. And we begin by ending the countless excuses, Lord, we've been claiming. No more excuses. We want to live in obedience to you. We want your perfect will for our lives. We saw what your permissive will is like. We don't want it, Lord. We take a step of faith today. And no matter how contrary it is to our own will, how uncomfortable, how, how difficult it is, we say yes. Yes to your urging, Lord. And we claim your promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Walk with us, Lord. Carry us through whatever lies ahead. And we know that one day, we will look back in victory and marvel at the amazing blessings that come with obedience. Give us the strength, Father. And we're so thankful. We love you so much. Thank you for your patience with us, for giving us a chance time and time again. Thank you for your faithfulness and your presence in our lives. We want to walk away changed. We love you and we pray in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.